global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by Sector Spider ETFs. Why buy a single stock when you can invest in the entire sector? Visit SectorSPDRS.com or call 1-866-SECTOR-ETF. U.S. stock index futures are little changed to higher, with stocks heading for their first monthly gain in four after a rally that took the S&P 500 index to this year's high. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures are up one and a half points now. Dow E-mini futures up 10. The Nasdaq E-mini futures up one. The DAX in Germany is down six tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up one thirty-second. The yield one point eight one percent. Yield on the two-year point seven four percent. Nymex crude oil up three tenths percent or eleven cents to thirty-eight forty-two a barrel. Comex gold is up eight tenths percent or ten dollars to twelve thirty-eight sixty an ounce. The euro a dollar thirteen eighty-six and the yen is at one twelve point two seven. Micron Technology down 2% this morning after the U.S.'s largest maker of memory chips gave a fiscal third-quarter forecast that missed analyst estimates due to weaker demand for personal computer components. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Barry. Karen, uh, thanks so much. Richard Batley is out of the combine at the London School of Economics and Economic History, which is exceptionally prodigious. He actually knows the distinction between Robbins and Beverage, which is pretty uh, cool. He is with Charles Dumont, Lombard's Research, and joins us uh, right now. Richard, you have written one of the smartest notes on Brexit that I've seen, and you go right to the Euro challenge that maybe Brexit is really about Frexit. How yeah. likely is it that continental Europe does their various shades of exit? Yeah, I think that we think the main market risk, the sort of investment risk of what's happening in the UK isn't, isn't related to the UK. It's what's going on in France. And the fact that you have politics in the politics in France today looks very similar to what you saw in Britain sort of three or maybe four Years ago, you've got this sort of fringe right-wing party in France. It's the National Front that has, the, you know, it's made one of it as one of its main policies to have a referendum on EU membership, just as you had UKIP in the UK. And I don't think the risk, you know, there was never a risk of a UKIP government in the in the UK, just as there isn't realistically the, you know, a serious possibility of a National Front presidency in France. But it's that the, the centre-right party takes some of those policies on board, like especially the referendum and makes it their own in order to stem the rise of that and I think that's you know that's why for example the day after the referendum was announced in the UK sure you saw UK CDS uh, sell off but you saw you saw French CDS uh, you saw French CDS sell off more um, in, in response to the announcement I think you know some investors do get this and understand that so, so Richard, for, for us ugly Americans, the, the question I keep hearing from people about Brexit is, wait, the UK isn't part of the euro. Why would it matter all that much to the regional economy if they have a referendum about exiting, uh, the Euroland? I think that's exactly the right question to ask because I don't think it does matter that much, actually. It certainly matters a lot less than politicians on both sides of the debate are sort of like almost willing it to be more important than it is. I think there is a risk to the referendum, in, an economic risk related to the referendum in the UK, but it's short-term and it's cyclical in nature. Now, unlike this is where, the, you know, the economic situation in the 
position in the cycle in the UK is very different to the US, although there are lots of surface similarities between the two economies. The consumer cycle in the UK is very mature. It's, this is precisely the point in a sort of a typical UK cycle when you would want business investment growth to be replacing consumer-led growth that we've had for, you know, for the last five or six years in the UK. The data this morning showed this, the household savings rate in the UK at an all-time low, and you're introducing a, a big dose of business uncertainty so at the worst possible time in the cycle. We, you know, we put this through our UK uh, model, which we review every quarter, putting a number of assumptions about sort of the worst reasonable case that we could come up with for Brexit, and we thought, you know, growth could be half a percent lower this year, next year, 1.1% lower. The CBI, the Confederation for British Industry in the UK, did a similar exercise. They came up with a range of GDP being 0.8 to 1.4% lower next year. So, you know, broad, broadly agreeing with that. So I think there are these two distinct phases. There's the first phase where, yes, it, there is that uncertainty, and it does provide a big shock to business investment, and you do see growth lower. But then longer term, you're absolutely right. It is difficult to come up with a scenario which has a very big or a very, you know, a very big positive or negative effect on, on trend mm -hmm. GDP growth. We've done that. We think, you know, we would say in 20, right. you know, if, if you are as, 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 po as positive or as negative about this as you could be, then in, then in 20 years' time, UK GDP could be 2% higher or it could be 2%, yeah. not the trend rate of GDP, the level. So, you know, these aren't, you know, this isn't the stuff that the f economic faith of nations rests on. G give me an update on the Lombard Street Research call on an animal spirit, the nominal GDP of the world. I mean, we're seeing everybody marked down. A.J. Rajadox was just on from Barclays. They marked down to an optimistic 3.1%. Others are way below that. Where are you people on global recession? Um, I think that we're in a very unusual um, position in the global economy, and it's very different to what lots of what all investors have been used to their entire, you know, investment careers. Really, where we have this unusual situation where there is positive real growth globally, and of course, with, especially within the United States, positive real growth. But then you see, you know big pockets of severe deflation of falling prices and I think you know when we're speaking to our clients when we're speaking to investors a lot of the questions that we get come down to this you know if you if you take the essence of the question is basically you know how how can this be how can we have real growth and deflation at the same time one of these must win you know either the real growth continues and ultimately becomes reflationary or the deflation causes some sort of financial crisis and ends real growth and our point is that you know that that premise is totally wrong that you know that that after 50 years of real growth and inflation being positively correlated, we're now in a model of global growth where you have to see deflation in some sectors of the global economy in order to generate the real growth um, in, in other sectors. So, yes, I think a growth figure of around 3%, perhaps a little bit north of 3%, is absolutely right. That doesn't mean, though, that the global deflationary pressures that, you know, that so affect nominal investment yeah. returns in a number of ways are going to 
go away. They aren't a critical, you know, something that an investment implication of that change in right. the growth model is that the earnings cycle has become disjointed right. from the real economic cycle. And that's, I think, you know, that's what was worrying investors a lot, right. especially in January and February in, this year. In the time we've got left with you to rip up the script here and out of your LSE economic history, if you look at a log chart right now of world trade, it's breathtaking how flat it's become and for how chronically long it's become. Is there a risk here of the regional blocks of the 1930s, of the time of Lionel Robbins, the 40s and 50s? Yes. I mean, I think this is this is this is the fascinating point and this is when we're thinking about the risks to you know a small open economy like the UK the risks on you know the big risk to trade isn't are we in or out of the EU there are big risks there and it is absolutely what you, you've been talking about that there is an apparent sort of there appears to be an end to that process of globalization which again has been you know is all we've known really all everybody is known for the last 50 or 60 years of trade, you know, of trade growing at, at, at a faster rate than GDP and the, and the, the global economy becoming more more globalised, mm-hmm. that that seemed to end almost, you know, with a with, with a bang um, with the um, with the financial crisis. I think to an extent, what, why is that? Well, it well it exposed the, the very fragile credit dependent nature of a lot mm-hmm. of that trade. But then more worrying, looking forward. It's, it's thrown up politicians uh, all around the world, and of course, particularly prominently in the United States, politicians that that that, that uh, are opposed to, the, you know, what has been that accepted wisdom of globalisation over the last fifty or sixty years. That yes, like you saw a drift toward economic nationalism in the mid thirties. That you know, with something of a yeah. lag uh, compared to when the depression occurred. That you're seeing the same thing happen today again with something of a lag to when the actual uh, right. recession happened. Now, let's leave it there. Richard Batley, thank you so much with Charles Dumas, Lombard Street Research. Um, really, to give you some different perspectives, folks, here, end of quarter, the surprises of the first quarter, but particularly the look forward. Barry, Global Wall Street, as we were talking with Bob Cinch about, it's got to be one of the themes. You, you, the cover of the FT today, the many articles Christine Harper and Michael Moore are doing for Bloomberg News, is state of employment. That's About key. core audience. Okay, it's a huge you. deal. That, that's absolutely key, and we're going to find more information tomorrow about the state of the U.S. employment, especially after those strong ADP numbers yesterday. I'm looking forward to hearing what Bill Gross has to say after we get yeah. the non-farm payrolls. And his note as well, after the uh, uh, the discussion of payrolls, we will address Mr. Gross's basic idea, which is, Janet, get going, because the markets are going to get going for you. It was a terse note. From Bill Gross, Jim Glassman and Bill Gross joining us tomorrow. In two hours at 945, Kathleen Hayes and Charles Evans of Chicago. It's Bloomberg Surveillance.